Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 311, covering Critical Care and Inside Man, with Amanda Smith. Hi friends, Did, didn't open with a groan this time, but Amanda's here, you can groan if you like. <laughs> this is our lives now. It's a quality groan, groany. Yeah, this is, this is graining, how we I live. guess. This is how we roll these days. Yeah, it's not and, uh, getting better. Sometimes sometimes they're better than other times, but uh, they're not there, good. There have been a couple of good episodes. Like I, I don't want to paint it like every episode of Voyager is its four lights, but... Uh, no, but the problem I'm running into, and I think you'll agree, Matt, is we keep thinking, okay, it's just going to be bad. Let's just hunker in and make fun of it. And then it gets good. I'm like, oh, wait, maybe the show's good. Maybe it's... A-, and then it's bad again. Yep. Dad like, throws that's- us down the stairs and then buys <laughs> us a puppy. Yeah, exactly. And I keep thinking, okay, at least if it's terrible, I can just mock it for a while and and ride this out. And then it's like, yeah. no, no, we're good. We're good now. We're good. Look at us. We're good. No, Look, you're we not. made a quality it's- episode with actual themes and character development, and you can enjoy it. Oh, here yeah. comes a big old fart ship. Yep, fart ship. <laughs> that was yep. like season four, Matt. Come on, we haven't seen mm-hmm. the fart ships in a while. It was oh, a real man, thing, can- though. <laughs> yeah, the t- I forgot about the fart ships. Yeah, I think you just <laughs> said some words and didn't realize you were referencing a real thing that happened. <laughs> Story like of my that, life. It's like that David Mitchell bit. Oh yeah, he was on the the, the British panel show QI, and uh, which which often will lure you into a trap, and and get you to like, you know, how many moons does the Earth have? And you say one, and you get a, a klaxon because that's the wrong answer apparently. And uh, but then then they'll throw you some easy ones, and you this is what a bully does. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. Oh, no, I'm not going to hit you. Why would you have thought that? Yeah, exactly. For the last time, it's not the blue whale. <laughs> no, but then a couple of times through the course of that show, it has been the blue whale just to fuck with it. Yeah. Also, uh. I've found that with Voyager, I, there's so much mind fuckery and like, oh, blow your mind stuff that I'm spending a lot of mental energy trying to pick apart where the stupid thing is. Yep. Like in yep. one of these episodes, I was like, oh, so none of this is real. Nothing's real. We're not none of not one thing. And this is real. And no characters are real. And n- none of this. Just yeah, none no, of well, it. it keeps you don't know to trust it because the show keeps gaslighting you. Yes, exactly. I mean, it says it's going to gaslight you, and then it never does, which is worse. Yeah. Really? Watch out. What I say isn't going to be true. Oh, wait, um, it was true. Unless it is. Yeah. No, that's that's the problem with me, too, is I'm constantly looking for the dumb reveal that'll make everything not true anymore. And, and two times out of three, it happens, but then sometimes it yeah. doesn't. And uh, just you thought, it was, you thought Harry was dead, but it was really a space puppet from beyond the moon. <laughs> no, that was an episode two. That was an original series episode, that space puppet. Well, this oh, first episode was an original series episode, so... I was. In fact, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Critical Care. I wish you wouldn't. Well, I have to. That's that's the <laughs> format of the show. That's what people tune in Shit. for. With their tuning devices. <laughs> With me their and Matt are leaving. Forks? We're going to go talk about Mass Effect. No. That's true. No. 
You 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 signed on for this. You're here. <laughs> Every couple of years on this show, me and Amanda just wander off to talk about Mass Effect. <laughs> uh, that, that's that, not on the show, but that's you know, go do what you need to do. But uh, we gotta we gotta let, let's just tear this Voyager Band-Aid off first. Al, we're gonna make a Mass Effect podcast, and you have to edit it. Uh, that's your punishment. <laughs> for what? What is? What am I being punished for exactly? General punishment. For all yeah, the, don't, we don't really need a reason at this point. For yeah. all the work I've done for this podcast, I'm now punished for doing to do, by doing another one. Here's a big. Yeah, now you got it. Oh man, right, let me let me tell you about critical care. Let's just get this over with. Voyager reaches a huge milestone with this six thousandth consecutive episode that opens on some planet we've never heard of with a bunch of jerks we don't care about. Oh. You know, when I said I was getting bored with the sameness of episodes, I meant the actual story concepts. Opening with a shot of the ship and Captain's Log wasn't boring. It's a perfectly acceptable way of kicking off pretty much every kind of story. It's simple, effective, familiar in a way that reminds us why we like Star Trek. Can we please just go back to that? Anyway, this week somebody's kidnapped the Doctor. Again. And he's being forced to live in harsh conditions where he's not allowed to sing, golf, or indulge in a second, completely different kind of singing. <laughs> no, this time he's forced into indoctored servitude on a planet <laughs> where only certain people are judged worthy of receiving medical care and the rest are left to die. You know, we've been trying really hard to keep current politics out of this show, but these bastards are not making it easy. <laughs> Nevertheless, I will not be comparing this to any situation presently unfolding in my country of residence. <clears throat> So while the doctor blatantly violates the Hippocratic Oath and the Prime Directive by poisoning a guy and most assuredly affecting the natural development of a more primitive society, Kate and the gang go on a wacky adventure to find their stolen hologram. Again. And for the 10th or 14th time, I find myself wondering why they can't just make a copy of him. They probably need that precious bandwidth for whatever dumb thing Tom and Harry are doing on the holodeck this week, which, as it turns out, is hockey. I already suspected this episode was written by a Canadian who wanted to criticize the American healthcare system, but that pretty much clinches it. Anyway, once the doctor runs the admittedly unfair but also kind of carefully balanced society into the ground, he returns to Voyager to await his next kidnapping and probably sing a song because that guy loves singing. What? I know. <sighs> that's that's two things I know about the doctor is he's got uh, some vocal cords he likes to work on and and he's a doctor. I know another thing about the doctor. This guy's into my good thing. Um, yes. He loves to torture people, it turns out. <laughs> There's yep. a lot of torture in this episode. Uh, well, your good thing isn't about the doctor torturing people. No, but it ties into that. Um, it's because you love torture. I well, do. I mean, that's what won us all over to Battlestar Galactica initially. Hey, torture. Oh, sure. And child murder. And child murder for yep. Amanda. Not, not me, Amanda. Just to be clear. <laughs> I that's why you're this... being punished. Uh-huh. I literally this week sent Amanda some pictures on uh, on Twitter because <laughs> with the ta with the tagline here Amanda you'll enjoy th enjoy these a child is butchered in them yay yeah uh, Amanda does not speak for all of us just, <laughs> just so but, I um, speak for everyone so loudly too well that is true but um no on this Star Trek episode about Starfleet officers with Starfleet uh, you know yeah movies. their morals and their their uh, their smug future ideals. Mm -hmm. Two separate people are tortured. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the good one, which is Neelix, tortures a purple cat man by giving him food poisoning and no cure. Okay, let's be clear. You just said the good one, which is Neelix. Yeah, no, I was as shocked as you are, but you know the rule. If you see something that you like from a character you hate, you have to bring it up. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think I think that is very much in the spirit of the good thing, bad thing, using mm. using it to highlight something you wouldn't normally like notice. 
And like, <clears throat> as much as I legitimately hate Neelix, I love the idea that he feels so guilty about what he did that he goes in and deliberately t poisons uh, this guy who's fucking the crew over. Okay, so first well, of all, watches. First, first <laughs> of all, I don't think he's actually responsible. I think he feels responsible because yeah. this this sort of con artist dude shows up and says like, uh, "I've got food poisoning from Neelix's food, so I'm well, going to go." He says, "I've got food poisoning from Neelix's food." No, 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 no. The uh, the 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 initial guy who stole the doctor. Oh yeah, no, the yeah yeah purple cat man. Oh, is that Purple Catman? Yeah. Purple Catman. He sounds okay. like Jeffrey Coombs, but he's not Jeffrey Coombs, which is my Why bad thing, by the way. wasn't well, he Jeffrey Coombs? I don't you know. I'm pretty sure Jeffrey it's Coombs, Coombs, by the way. Oh, wait. Not, not Combs? Coombs. Whatever. I think it's Coombs. No. I sold my Coombs to buy you Coombs. <laughs> but no, you the... say Coombs, I say Coombs. Let's call the whole thing off. Mm, okay. That, so, see you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Um... No, that, I, I didn't mention this in my summary, but uh, yeah, the, initially there was like a con artist dude who ate some of Neelix's food, pretended to have food poisoning, went to sick bay, and stole the doctor. Yep. And so Neelix thinks that's his fault. And, and for once, it's not. Like, I thought the episode was telling us it was Neelix's fault. He just felt responsible, but he wasn't. But but yeah, then that leads to this scene. And yeah, he wants to get it. He basically wants to get his own back, so he fucking poisons this guy <laughs> right in front of Tuvok. And 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 the way it plays out, I thought they were doing a good cop bad cop thing mm -hmm. because Tuvok is like, "Well, I will forcefully mind meld," and Neelix is like, "No, buddy, no, don't. Let me just give yeah. you some food. Oh, it might be poisoned. Whoops." No, it was bad cop, baffled cop. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually, like, I thought he was in cahoots with Tuvok up until the point Tuvok said, what What are you doing, buddy? You, you don't, you don't, you can't poison that man. I'm not in Starfleet. I, I don't have to follow any of your rules. Oh, I didn't know it. You know, sometimes people like it. It's not always poisonous. I'm, I've never been to Geneva, so I'm not aware of its convention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's point. probably the Regellian convention. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. Um... But this is like the second time in a couple of weeks we've had a con artist episode. And the last con artist episode, we were like, we we're supposed to be like, oh no, Neelix is good at con artist stuff. And he got his groove back. And now he's like a cool. Oh, that was, yeah. I mean, cool it's been a few weeks. I th if, I've, if it's the one I'm thinking of with the, 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 fake, the fake Janeway yeah. with the giant uh, com badge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was a few weeks ago now, but it, not that long ago. So they just got conned. Like, yeah. just. Yep, and they had a lesson about learning not to be conned, and yeah. now they're getting conned. That again. doesn't bother me because the Delta Quadrant, like the whole premise of the show, means you're not going to be able to interact with whole societies for long periods of time because you're moving through space, which kind of limits you to one-off like adversaries, and so you have to think of ways that they have to outsmart the crew. And uh, I, I get that that's going to happen more than once. That I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't know. It just it. I, I said the same thing the last time they got conned. It just makes the crew look stupid. Well, that's true. It does. And it happened two times so close together. Like this yeah. And, and the fact that the doctor keeps getting stolen, which is, happens a lot. You should put a fucking, like, uh, low jack on him. <laughs> or a bell. Yeah, something. I like the uh, the idea of uh, Picardo wearing a little collar with a bell on it. I think that's <laughs> yeah. cute. Like a little, a little. Um, it's got like a little heart. Oh, see, I just pictured it. Throat. I pictured it like one of those uh, anti theft tags in a store, and it explodes with paint if he tries to leave the uh, <laughs> leave the ship. So you've still got the doctor, but now he's covered in paint and therefore useless. Yes, obviously. <laughs> Because a hologram covered in paint, you can't you can't do anything with that. But the uh, the whole thing with the the Conman episode is in that one a few weeks ago with Fake Kate. Um, uh, it was all about how Tom and Neelix felt like they'd lost their edge 
uh, <laughs> and were becoming big old softies, and they learned how to be more suspicious of people again. Uh, but it didn't take, right. I guess. Well, I mean, we we say this a lot. It's it's sort of uh, 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 it goes along with the fact that they don't do serialized stuff. Is like a lot of times when they learn a lesson, that lesson doesn't stay learned in the next episode. Mm-hmm. That's that's been a consistent complaint of both of ours, I think. But there is some serialization in this show. Like there's some things they remember from week to week. So it's it's kind of it's it's like that thing that we were talking about at the top of the show where you're not sure. Well, like, it's like it's like Next Gen did the same thing though. Yeah, because they expected you to remember who Q was when Q comes back, but they don't expect you to remember Jordy was kidn- or uh, uh, tortured last week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's they remember what they feel like and ditch the rest, which I, I don't yeah. love. Didn't like that then either, and that was uh, that that was so long ago. Like well, it feels like we've come. The thing the thing that I learned from that fifty year mission book is that's all Rick Berman. That's all him saying. We were not allowed to do that, and the mm. only time they didn't do that was when Iris Stephen Bear said, fuck you, we're doing it anyway on DS9. Man, <laughs> Rick Berman is a slimy, like, cowardly nothing. Yep. Yeah, there are no ends to the sins of Rick Berman. That's true. And, well, he basically inherited the title from Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Iris Stephen Bear is some kind of hero. Yep. Yep. He truly is. The heroic bear. Yeah, the heroic bear. <laughs> yep. Um... So my good thing, yes. At some point, we have an appearance, a brief a cameo, really, by uh, popular character actor Jim O'Hare, mm-hmm. uh, better known as uh, from Parks and Rec, Jerry Terry Larry. <laughs> I didn't know this was coming, and as soon as he popped up, I was so delighted. Me too. He doesn't have a different voice, so it's like, oh, oh, geez. Well, I I don't know about that, <laughs> you know. So so he's that he's that big lovable goot fuck up guy. Yep. And uh, exactly the same with the Midwestern accent and everything. Oh, and, gosh, I don't know about that, Tom. Oh, jeez. Oh, he I'm was so sorry, perfect, guys. And you knew exactly who he was supposed to be immediately. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they made his character sort of a Jerry Terry Larry yeah. because yep. his wife left him and he's kind of sad. And he's like, oh, if you see my wife, can you tell her I'm, I'm, uh, I miss her? Because, you know, oh, I'm real sad down here, you know? It was okay. real economy of acting and storytelling because immediately I knew. Well, yep. I mean, that you can't give Voyager credit for that because this is a guy we were familiar with from a show that didn't exist yet. No, mm-hmm. but the the his acting like the way he I just don't it. I don't think you would have made those associations if you weren't already familiar with him is I what I'm saying. I think we would have. You think? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was I mean the dude's a, the dude like before Parks and Rec, the dude has been playing that character. Well, we talked about this last week. Forever. We talked about this last week with the guy who plays Perd Happily, like yeah. another another guy from Parks and Rec, weirdly enough. Um, that well, he, Parks and Rec is amazing. It, it is. It absolutely is. Um, and we've talked before about uh, the, the cast of Parks and Rec being uh, transposed to a starship, mm-hmm. which would be fantastic. Oh, I would watch that in a nope. second. Yep. That would be awesome. I mean, uh, Matt has on a number of occasions said that he wishes Chakotay was just Ron Swanson. Yeah. Yep. There's your outdoorsman character. But uh, no, it's it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, this guy's been a character actor for a million years. He's basically only got one trick, but it's a good trick, and they use it effectively, like in in a lot of different things. I, I was for a long time watching a lot of soap operas as research for the soap opera we were doing, and uh, he popped up in in the bold and the beautiful one week. Just as <laughs> which like, was he bold or beautiful? Um, he was the <laughs> and. Oh man. <laughs> 
He was one of the characters did that that soap opera impulsive thing where they just jumped on a flight to Italy to go see their lover that had uh-huh. left the country. And they got there in about 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But they were stuck in coach next to a, 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 a big, overly friendly just guy who wouldn't leave her alone or let her sleep or anything. And it was him. Yeah, that's him. All right. <laughs> Which was fantastic. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was good to see him. Good mm-hmm. to see. Damn it, Jerry. <laughs> Damn it, Larry. Yep. Ugh, Terry. 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 <laughs> good old Philo Pilo. <laughs> Wait, no, that was that was Tom. Never mind. On the wreck uh, ship, I kind of picture Tom being the counselor. <laughs> <laughs> well, only because he wants to make sure everyone knows their boo. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And he gives them all like soft, fuzzy blankies. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Amanda, what was your good thing? Um, when you talked about when we talked about them uh, hunting down the con man, mm-hmm. uh, it, there's a bunch of really funny smash cuts mm-hmm. with uh, Kate uh, like trying to to find the the con man cat guy, and so she's interacting mm. with a whole bunch of different uh, different aliens. And by the end, she's just she's just tired of it. Like yep. she's like I am tired of this episode. When will it be over? Well, and, and Matt actually approached me with a screen cap of yeah. one of her particularly great reactions, where he's like, "This should be our cover art. Look at this." Mm-hmm. And she's just like, just head in her hands, just like, "Why? Why? Why is this?" You know, I used to just be a spaceship captain. You know, I'm a scientist, <laughs> and I agreed I to be a captain because that's that's what came with the promotion. But I just want to do science, man. I had a really cool deal going on for a while there. Now. Oh, chase the Maquis. Everything will be fine, they said. It's just a one-off <laughs> mission, and you can go back to studying pulsars. Well, great. Here I when am. When the fuck did this become my life? <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, Al, your quote is in one of those. It, it is, because the, there, there is a series of escalating comedic like situations, because it's the one guy leads them to the other guy, the other guy leads them to a dead end, which leads them mm. to another guy. It's, it's actually not a bad B-plot in terms of uh, sort of balancing out some of the more serious crap from the from the A-plot. But uh, at one point, uh, actually, it's after they see Jerry, Terry, Larry and go to his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait a minute. Are you trying to get my man? And, and Kate says, uh, uh, reaches for Tuvok's hand and says <laughs> this. That's why you're looking for him, isn't it? You want him for yourself. I assure you, I have no romantic interest in him whatsoever. Why? Not good enough for you? No, it's not that. It's just that. I already have a man. Which I thought was hilarious. Oh, it was so good. And as soon as the scene's over, Tuvok just like pulls away from her hand and glares at her. And and it's not a glare like, why did you do that? It's like, I understand why you did that, but still gross. Yeah, what is wrong with you? Yeah. We are not in love, Captain. Like, we're we're a team and I'm your subordinate and I get why you had to do that, but ugh, man. And I don't want to her- bone your purple space cat. <laughs> And her the look on her face while she did it was great. It reminded me of when uh, Picard had to pretend to be in love with Loxana. <laughs> yep. My love, love for you yep. is ebulgent. <laughs> uh, Sparrows or something. Uh, I, I, no, it was Shakespeare. It was always Shakespeare. Love in a bowl <laughs> for you. Walk me to Halifax. Shakespeare, <laughs> Shakespeare crap. You know what I'm talking about. Picard out. <laughs> My there mission after Apple school is to win the rodeo. <laughs> uh, so my bad thing. Yes. Boy, was this ever some ham-fisted, preachy Star Trek bullshit. Oh, man. Not since mm-hmm. past tense. I mean, look, 
I will not tell you, especially with two Canadians on the show with me right now, that our right. healthcare system is in any way great. Hey, or, Al. Or good or hey, adequate. Al. Yes. Al, explain to us. No. Explain. What did I just say? Explain to us. Explain to us why. Explain to us why it is. Because profit. Because America is run by Ferengi. That's why. Hey, Matt. Yes. Ask Al to explain it to us. My problem is we were lured here. Look, it's Don't not you a feel lured here, Amanda. Al, did you lure us here? I, I look. I may have lured you here. I definitely didn't lure Matt here. <laughs> Matt, did, Mal's got to answer for that. Matt, I've Al literally literally got a here? letter here from Al saying, "Do not move here." Yes. <laughs> Look, if you ever plan on getting sick or injured, do not move here. It is not what you're used to. Look, it's not a terrible idea for something to do social commentary about. It really isn't. Like, to, to, to pick a thing and say, this needs to be talked about. People need to be aware of this and try to fix it. That's fine. But once again, Star Trek tries to do that thing. It's inexplicably known for doing well and does it poorly. They establish their premise. Everyone should get mm -hmm. health care, not just the handful of people we arbitrarily think deserve it. And then repeat it ad nauseum for 45 minutes to make sure we get it. Yes, thank you. We do. Jesus I mean, you know, Christ. it is in the great tradition of Star Trek. Like, you know, it's, that's an Omega Glory shit right there. <laughs> I imagine a lot of listeners are going to chime in just like they did for Past Tense and say, but they're really talking about an important thing. But much like Past Tense, they're not really telling you how to fix it. They're just saying this is bad. And my, my problem, as I mentioned in my summary, is, okay, absolutely their society is wrong and it's bad. Mm -hmm. Like that, they made that very clear. But they also made it clear that they kind of thought it through and that these people get treated because this and this, like it, it all works yeah. together. And the fact that the doctor chose to break the rules meant someone died. It's also very communism. -y. Well, it is, but my, my like, point is it's all a big machine that works like inter like intricately uh, moving parts. And mm -hmm. if you just change one thing, it fucks everything else up because you have to very carefully dismantle it. And he, and someone ended up dying because the doctor just wanted to overthrow their culture. And it, it's mm -hmm. not that easy, man. And you ain't Kirk, buddy. Yeah. Well, actually, he kind of is in that he comes in, smashes up the society with a hammer, and then rushes off into space where he'll never have to see the consequences of his actions. Oh, well, that's the problem, that's then, true. is that he just didn't get out in time to not see anybody die from what he did. Well, except the one guy did die, like, in yeah, early no, that's in what the I'm episode. Saying. But the rest if of it, he, yeah. If he just split sooner, he wouldn't have seen that guy die, and it would have been fine. Now, I will say, I did like, because he does think that he has to poison somebody, and that did actually happen. Mm -hmm. uh, he poisons like one of the guys in charge oh, of all. No, no, no. He poisons the allocator. No, no, no. The allocator is the computer. The allocator. The allocator's the computer. The allocator. Exocomp. <laughs> hey, Matt. Society. The allocator. Society. Exocomps. They say those words like a thirty thousand. I, I understand that, but the, he wasn't For the, the people. <laughs> yes, but the thing is, he poisons like the guy in charge. The guy, by the way, that I thought was um uh. Fuck, what's his name? The guy, this is driving me nuts, too. If you figured out who this guy yes, is. he's the guy from Darkman that I thought was the other guy. And now I can't think of his name. Who? Okay, he's the guy died I thought Dur was Frank Langella. Did he die, Durant die? Yeah, he's Durant, I believe. Okay. He's, he's the guy I thought was Frank Langella with the big fish lips, but isn't. He's a different okay. guy. Okay, good, because that was driving me crazy. Yeah, no, 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 that's him. And and his makeup is, is terrible and gross, but that's a He has that's cinnamon a buns thing. on his face. Yeah. Um, bumpy headed alien. They but, weirdly, they took this guy, this guy who, you know, just sort of run of the mill kind of big guy. And they're like, okay, well, let's blow you up. I, the thing is, there's a lot of different aliens in this episode mm -hmm. and two thirds of them look pretty good. And some of them look terrible. Yeah. It's but just I mean, like they took the draw this poor kind of dude and they stuck him in the tightest fucking costume ever and then oh, swelled yeah. his face up. Yeah. No, it wasn't great. But anyway, the doctor, like to make his point said, 
well, uh, I've, I've changed your social designation in the computer, so now you're not entitled to care, so now you're going to die. How does that feel? And like, okay, I get it, but he poisoned the guy, which isn't mm-hmm. great. Uh, but I do. I will say I did like uh, at the end, he goes back and has his moment with Seven, you know, the, the, the requisite moment they have with any character who sure. goes off on an adventure, comes back home and talks to their closest friend. Mm-hmm. Like that, I get that, because she is. Um, and he's like, is my ethical program broken because i'm you know hippocratic oath is my main directive yeah. and i violated that am, am i broken and i like i actually like that that that's the tiny kernel of a good idea here because he is primarily programmed to help and he did deliberately bring harm to someone and that well, and should be bad that's the thing he shouldn't really be able to do that like the hippocratic oath is programmed into him you i know? think like, in a better episode it would have been more clear Mm-hmm. That he was just like this is a this is a symptom of him growing as a person and becoming more human every day. And yeah, because I like that. he's able to think about it, he's able to sort of put uh, needs of the many. Right, exactly. Of, like they didn't they didn't really go into that, but that's what it should have been, and that was the the start of a good idea. And another mm-hmm. in another draft, it would have been more clear. Mm-hmm. I think. But yeah. the, in, in something, it seems like. Um, a part of the doctor's character is right under the surface, right under those programs. He loves to poison. <laughs> I don't know if that's his evil doctor. Poison. That's Just true. Poison, poison, poison. Okay. Take but... away those. Uh, take away those ethics, and uh, man, that guy—you can't stop that guy from poisoning. Yeah, it's like on Red Dwarf where they would turn off uh, Crichton's ethical programs. Yeah, exactly. They or just when they turn they, into a jerk. They took off the uh, politeness on Gypsy and MST. Yeah, bite, bite me. me, Mike. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I, no, I, I like that, and I like that he's he feels real screwed up about it. But he he's not like I wish I didn't do it. He's like I'm trying to understand. I wish how I'd poison I more people. I <laughs> yeah, well, yes, he, he wants to poison but, all the people. But I think that is an interesting ethical thing that that could have been the bulk of the episode. Instead, it was about this society and not about him. And it should have yeah. been more about him and his conflicted like I could fix this, but that would mean I'm not me anymore. And that could have been interesting, but that only yeah. came up in the last five minutes. Because that and that's it, a hard choice. Like, yeah. would would you hurt one person to save a bunch of other people? And it's a great thing to put the doctor through, who is who should be not going through any of that human stuff because he's programmed to be a perfect doctor. But mm-hmm. he's also programmed not to hurt. Like, he's not programmed not to hurt anyone. Like, right. not for any reason. Right. So. Yeah, is he is as he grows, is he becoming more morally ambiguous? Yeah, because that's part of becoming more human every day. Is is the answers aren't so clear cut anymore? It's not quite so black and white anymore. Mm-hmm. Also, he's in Starfleet, where the ends justify the means. So maybe that's his overarching. That uh, could be. Yeah. Uh, what was your bad thing, Amanda? Oh well, this is kind of a bad thing about Voyager more than it is about this episode, but it's also about this episode. We have seen this episode before, and mm-hmm. we will see it again. This is self-sealing stem bolts grafted on top of um, just an original series, like a throwaway social issue original series episode. Mm-hmm. It isn't an interesting premise. We don't get to learn anything new about any of the characters, and we don't get to enjoy a neat sci-fi concept. So what's the point of this? Mm-hmm. There's nothing here. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's an empty sack. Yeah. I opened with, up this present. with Terry in it. Yeah. I opened Damn up it, this Terry. I opened up this Star Trek wrapped box and inside of it there was nothing. No, it was the same Star Trek episode you've seen a hundred times. And I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh ideas are hard to think of. 
That's their defense. We, t- we mm-hmm. just couldn't think of ideas. It's so hard. You try thinking of 500 ideas for episodes. That's your job. Yeah, I know. Look, if they're paying me to do Star Trek and I'm out of ideas, I'm going to hire people who can think of yeah, ideas. you need to hire a new Star Trek guy. Yeah, because it's Star Trek, for Christ's sake. That is your job. First of all, watch all the Star Trek to make sure you're not copying the old ones, because yep. that, that should be no- your number one thing. And then, yeah. you know. There's not a ton of them. You can ba- You can bang through the original series in a weekend if you try hard. Yeah. You are a writer. Wait, can you? You get to sleep until noon. Yeah. yeah. Fucking writers. <laughs> you get to sleep until noon. Oh, God. Yep. Drag your ass out of bed after lunchtime and think up ideas. That is your job. Yep. Stay up until five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not what writing. Not, the... Yeah, not writing. To be clear, well, like getting drunk with your friends or playing video games or something like that. Avoiding writing What if writing the Enterprise fought this beer bottle? Yeah. <laughs> Does the beer bottle represent something? No. Uh, if I work hard enough, it probably can. <laughs> I'm not going to work hard. Come on. Who are we what kidding if here? Star Tr- what if the Enterprise fought a ripoff of this movie I watched last night? <laughs> In fact, Mr. Berman just came down and said, stop working so hard. You don't need to try. So uh, I'm not going to do that. Also, just put some more boobs in it. In this. Yes. He did say that. All right. Do we have anything else or can we move on to the other uh, one? No, I, this episode sucked. I didn't love it. Uh, you you did have something to point out about the uh, the some of the visual stuff, though. Oh yeah, very nice giant spaceship in this episode. Yeah, yeah. The um uh, the opening where we see the planet and then we see like the big space station, or it's not a space station really, but it's a big floaty thing over the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hovering hospital, I think. Yeah, yeah. a hover hospital, you know, yeah. like you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think that this the uh, the planet design itself uh, kind of looked like a pollution factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We definitely got a bit of that. Well, it's supposed to be a mine or something, right? Like, that's why everyone's sick all the time? Because they have to work in the dirty mine? (laughs) Yeah, because they really oversold the, like, and now uh, that I'm basically okay, I have to go back into the black lung. Like, uh, really? You're just going to call it that, huh? Mm -hmm. You have to go back into the black lodge. Yep. (laughs) I also liked um, the doctor has to work with another doctor on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jimmy. um, Yeah. (laughs) Dr. Jimmy. And he looks like every... Looks and sounds and acts like every television oh, doctor you've ever seen. You're talking about two different people. Jimmy was the like the the guy in the lower levels mm-hmm. for the poor people who was like the kid doctor. You're no, talking about is, the the this is the doctor for the Eloy up on the uh, the good the good <laughs> Right, exactly. No, and and you're right. He, he I know he's a character actor. I've mm-hmm. seen in a bunch of stuff, and he absolutely had that smug I'm a TV doctor like vibe to him. I but I I like that again. I thought that was good economy. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this guy's a double extra doctor. Okay. I no, gotcha. sometimes we complain about them casting those sort of TV level actors, but sometimes they use that to good effect, where they they pick a guy you know from a million things, and like, yeah, yeah. obviously this guy's a mobster, this guy's a cop, and yeah. this yeah, guy's a doctor. Good, it's good uh, TV shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I hate those actors that they get, but this guy wasn't like he wasn't a bad fine. actor, and he just he just screamed doctor. No, he and he was like, he looked like a Scrubs. Yeah, yeah he looked uh, just like a Scrubs. I bet he was on Scrubs. Could have probably. probably. Scrubs would have started not too long after yeah. this, actually. But uh, he was um, he was the one that that realized the doctor was kind of sympathetic. He's like the mirror Spock, where mm-hmm. the good guys leave, and he's the one who could maybe change things if he stayed behind and yeah. like, tried to change things. Which I, that was okay. Again, with another draft, this might not have been bad. Mm-hmm. But again, they talked about... It was Voyager, about, we don't have time for drafts. No. <laughs> they talked about, in the episode, 
how few resources the planet has and how they have to be really careful about how they allocate them. And sure, they were doing some evil stuff where they were giving unnecessary medicine to, uh, to yeah. people who didn't really need it because they were yeah, so for, fancy. Yeah, for hypothetical preventative care. Yeah, but it, there, there isn't enough. Like, yeah. There's still, there is still Yeah, they haven't solved that problem. So, no, and, and like I mentioned in my summary, this... this Culture is clearly not up to, like, the Federation standards, so this is a whole Prime Directive violation anyway. We don't know if these guys are even spacefaring. Like, they... they I, yeah, they are, because are someone they? stole the Doctor and brought brought him there, so they at least interact with spacefaring Yeah, but races. we didn't see that they are themselves I guess that's true, spacefaring. Yeah. Like, there was mm. no evidence of that. Yeah, I guess that's true. All right. I'm tired of talking about this. Why don't we move on? Okay, let's move on. Let's listen to Amanda talk. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So tell us about Inside Man. Inside Man. (laughs) Okay, time to put this up on Still Store, because it's letter time on Voyager. Only somehow Harold's messed it all up. And he messed it up last time, too. Apparently post-delivery in a terrarium is too complicated for special boy. Um, All right. Well, maybe this wasn't entirely his fault this time, because apparently, instead of sending Tuvok an update from his kid chock full of malware, Starfleet (laughs) has let Reginald Barkley, Olympic-level hologram fucker, put a hologram into Voyager's mail sack. And, oh boy, it's a hologram of himself. Super. Nice work, Starfleet. This communications project is being run completely competently. (laughs) Okay, so the Barkley bot says they've discovered a way to get Voyager home through an area of space that was folded up like a fitted sheet. You know, in a crumpled ball that somehow takes up both more and less space than it should. (laughs) All of the dangers of entering this universal linens closet can be combated with extra shielding, a couple of inoculations, and a a special folding technique that you can master by watching his YouTube This was my first indication that something was not right, because you cannot fold those folded sheets. It's not possible. It's not possible in space. Relatable observational comedy. (laughs) Hey, what's the deal with folded sheets? What's the deal with them is you crumple them up in a ball and throw them in the garbage. Oh, fuck. Barkleybot charms the crew, but then starts acting crazy at the doctor because he's evil and being controlled by some particularly gross Ferengi who are trying to steal Seven's trick cereal or nanoprobes or whatever. Who cares? Back on Earth, Blood and Bone Barkley is having one of his bi-weekly temper tantrums because his data scre- because the data screen he sent to Voyager has been lost. His boss thinks it's because they tried to send a hologram instead of plain old mail and doesn't want to risk another month out of contract tack to try a third attempt. Bone and Blood Barkley immediately decides it's a vast conspiracy of the Borg and the Romulans keeping him from sending his author insert character up to Voyager, (coughs) and the only person who can help him is Deanna Troy. So, instead of calling her or sending her a letter, he shows up at her vacation, unannounced, to demand her help. Instead of slapping him with a restraining order or her fist, Deanna (laughs) helps Blood and Bone Barkley figure out that it isn't a conspiracy that stole his hologram, it's his ex-girlfriend Leosa. They haul Leosa in so that Paris's dad, the Admiral, or the Dadmiral, as I will now be calling him, <laughs> can question her. Troy uses her badass counseling powers to force her to confess that she was paid to be blood and bone Barclay's girlfriend in order to steal the hologram. This checks out immediately. 
Blood and Bone Barkley cons the Ferengi into thinking he's Barkley Bot and makes them stop the sheet folding ray that's going to destroy Voyager or whatever. As a prize, Deanna convinces Riker to let Blood and Bone Barkley go on a double date with her, Riker, and some poor unfortunate girl who will soon be in a lot of trouble at all. <laughs> I think this isn't my official bad thing, but my bad thing is don't say Will Riker and then don't show Will Riker. Come on. Yeah, he's kind of Chekhov's they... Riker. What, what kind of nails tease is that? That's yeah. terrible. When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't think Deanna belonged in this at, at all to begin with, but they, they mentioned Will Riker and he's right hanging out by the by the, the margins of the episode and he's not even in it. Yeah, I would think, she, she maybe I, I, didn't belong in this, but I was really happy to see her. So I yeah. don't know. That's she been our feelings the this. last two times, too. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, did Marina Sirtis need a paycheck and just refuse to direct? Like, or maybe she does isn't getting enough at cons, like with autographs, because that's yeah. usually how these guys make their money if they don't want to act anymore. I just I feel bad for her. She's still talented and she still looks amazing. Like, the, she should still be getting work on some fucking sitcom or something. I it's possible those guys got typecast. I mean, they all got work on gargoyles. Oh yeah, but beyond uh, that's that, true. You know, I don't. Everyone know. was on gargoyles. Yeah, all of them. Every yep. single one of them. But uh, I, I don't, I mean, we talked before about how they shoehorned her into the previous Barkley appearances, and I feel like this is the worst one yet yeah. of that. Uh -huh. like, she I, didn't belong in this at all. I agree, but on the other hand, she had some really good moments. No, again, I, we like, felt the same way the last two times, mm -hmm. where she doesn't belong in this, it's a serious bending over backwards to make it happen, but once she's there, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, cause I, and the thing is, I like her so much and she was so poorly used. No, they in, only figured her Gen. out in the last year and a half of next gen. So it's good to see her showing up again, mm -hmm. but you know, and actually doing cool things, you know, like, but why are we following Barkley again? I, yeah, I'm so tired yeah. of this guy, this character I used to really like and really identify with. And I'm just, and now every time he shows up, I'm just like, oh, fucking damn it. Well, and okay, here's my bad thing. Yeah. So, why the fuck is Barkley still in Starfleet? Mm -hmm. Two different mm -hmm. series, two entirely different TV series, have been have detailed his many, many crimes against the Federation. Most recently, he's given sensitive secrets to a hostile foreign power and stalked his therapist on vacation. Uh -huh. He should go to jail for both of these things, or at least get court-martialed or go to trial or something. Instead, he just gets to go right back to work with holograms, which he should also have been forbidden to use like a decade ago. Which is my bad thing. Why the fuck is Barkley using holograms at work? They assigned him to a hologram program. Yep. Why? Why but, is like, this? A character who in his first appearance was told, you are not allowed to have hologram access anymore because you are a creep. No, but the writers, I know, I can see this process. I can, I can totally see how this worked. We need an expert in hologram technology. Oh well, uh, Dwight Schultz is available. Let's mm -hmm. let's use Barkley because he knows holograms. W wasn't there something that happened in those episodes where that? Nope, nope. He knows holograms. He's our expert. It's like yep. you took Scarface and put him in control of your cocaine factory. No. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, if he wants to use private, like, if he wants to buy his own holodeck or however that works in the future, mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't know, with money, we're not getting into that again. But, like, I know Starfleet has better holodecks. He shouldn't be allowed to use those. If he wants yeah. to use them on his own time, go rent quarks or whatever. That's yeah. his own business. But yeah. Starfleet should have forbidden him from using their highly advanced. And he was assigned to it. Like, his yeah. boss said, here you go, do this hologram program. And at the end of the episode, he's still working on it. Yeah. No, if, I mean, really the Deanna thing bugged me more than anything else. Oh. Is she's, 
she's on vacation, on private vacation. She's not like on uh, five minutes surely from the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I I don't think she and Riker are married yet because I think um I think Nemesis happened last. It's soon because it, Kate's soon. in it as an admiral. So right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, good, good call, good, uh, good logic there. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of that. Um, but she's probably, but, she's probably getting over insurrection. The thi- yeah, and the thing is, they're courting. They're definitely because they didn't mm-hmm. just get married out of nowhere. They started dating again and then got serious. So I mean, she and Will are pretty serious right now, and they're on a vacation together alone yep. as a couple. Yep. And then this, this problem uh, patient who she mm-hmm. worked with years ago, who keeps calling her at home anyway, yep. has has shown up at the planet that she's on, like, vacationing. That is so inappropriate on so many levels. And yeah, it's really sh- creepy, especially for someone, like, who had a major, like, unhealthy crush on her, like, yeah, years ago. he found a sex program that he made of her. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, yeah. boy. And when he showed up, she's in her bathing suit, like, like laying out on the beach. Yeah. They're, they're at the beach. And she pulls her towel up to cover herself. Yeah. And... Deanna is from a planet of nudists. <laughs> I didn't like, catch that. That's a good catch. I mean, she's, I mean, she's, they've, they've said before, she's not as comfortable with it as some of the other people on her planet, but mm. she is comfortable with the human body, yeah. but she's made so uncomfortable by Barkley that she feels the need to cover herself. No, like, she's sunbathing on the beach and yeah. suddenly yeah. he shows up and she's like, oh, Jesus, huh? And she wasn't even naked. Yeah. She was just wearing a bathing suit. Yeah, with a she, bit of cleavage. Yeah, but yeah. she immediately is like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Yeah. And that says it all right there. Maybe that wasn't in the script. Maybe Marina Sirtis just said, you know what? This is my natural reaction to this because this is inappropriate. <laughs> and because Marina Sirtis is a good actor. Yeah. But uh, and by the end of the episode, as you point out, she's helping him out. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. It's and, all just fine. And they say like she says it's inappropriate. But yeah. that's as far as the episode takes it. They say, yeah, yeah, no, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. But and I don't feel like that's like a poor acting choice. That's a poor writing choice. Oh, it absolutely is. To just is. sort of hand wave it away. No, they needed. I don't know why they needed her, but I guess they did. I I don't know. I uh, just. I'm, and the interrogation scene near the end of the episode, where she gets Leosa, the uh, the Dabo girl, uh, to confess, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like Picard didn't teach her how to how to. Uh, you know how to torture people or, or interrogate them or anything, but he's he definitely helped her sharpen those skills a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, like that was not a thing she could do before. And after her time on the Enterprise, she can totally like intimidate someone with her. I could just poke around in your mind if I want. You got to get into their heads, Deanna. Really fuck around in there. <laughs> I'm Captain Picard. Yeah, thank you. Wasn't sure who you were otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Professor X. <laughs> yeah, see, it could have been. Magneto. Cerebro. <laughs> yeah, but Barkley just... Uh, just why? Why is Barkley... It's, it's really... Especially for a character that, like I said, I, I used to really like and, you know, really enjoy when he showed up and just like that... Someone I can identify with in Starfleet and all that stuff. And now he's just gross. The thing is, I, I, I mean, it's fun to give you crap for that, but really... You only actually liked him for like one episode because he already be- started being problematic by his second appearance. He came back. He came back for me a couple of times in his appearances on Voyager, where it's like, "Oh yeah, no, I get it. You've got like real problems and shit." But at this point, I'm just like, "God, stop it!" They yeah. did such a better job with a character who has anxiety um, with the gal in the Lower Decks episode. Not in, yeah, she was so yeah, much the Bajoran chick. Yeah, the Bajoran yeah. chick. She was great. She had she that. Was. That she had the whole thing like um, the imposters thing, where she feels mm-hmm. like I don't belong here. I am not good enough to be here. Yeah, she was great. 
Yeah, and we only ever saw her once. Yeah, I, yep. she made a brief cameo in, a, in an episode yeah. after that, but we've only ever gotten to know her one time. And the yeah. feeling, a lot of the time, the feeling was she was screwing up. Part of it was because she maybe wasn't quite as good as some of the other people, but part of it was because she felt like she wasn't as good as everyone else. Right. Mm-hmm. So that made her constantly question herself, which made her screw up. Which is yep. sort of like Matt. I'm not sure if you can relate to that. Yeah, oh, is this God, something yeah, you're familiar know. with at all? I don't know. I uh, yeah, no, that doesn't really ring a bell. No. <laughs> to every day of my goddamn to life. You, to you, anxieties just st- st- stuttering all, all the time and, and, and falling over things. That's all, folks. Of course, then we have the other extreme because the super confident Barkley hologram, fake Barkley, uh, is is uh, the uh, the other end of the spectrum of bad acting. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, hello, everyone. I am your friend. Ha ha. I'm like, oh, shut Smoke up, me dude. a kipper. I'll be back for breakfast. Yeah, he's exactly. Yeah, like no, that. as soon as that character shows up, I'm like, okay, so how long before he becomes evil? Yeah, and again, we're just looking for the other mm-hmm. shoe to drop and not enjoying the episode because we're yep. looking for the fucking seems in the in the yep. terrible premise. So it's fake. It's get... all fake. It's fake. Yeah. Is it fake? Yeah. Is also, it fake? Why are they sending a hologram? Who, just uh, send uh, mail. Like, it doesn't make sense. And when they wanted some, like when they needed, they thought they needed someone to explain a plan. Mm-hmm. Write it in a letter. Yeah. But no, I, I was like, okay, well, it was an interactive person to help mm. explain. So fine, whatever. But then it turns out that's not real. So the Starfleet guys didn't need to send a hologram to explain the plan because that was the Ferengi thing. So there was no reason for them to yeah. send a hologram. Yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, I get why Barkley wanted to send a hologram. He well, wants to he wants to self-insert into his favorite TV yeah, show. But yeah, but first of all, he he won't experience that himself. It'll be a simulation. And second, it's not even a simulation, an accurate simulation, because he's made it all confident and, and great. No, but you, you, you don't get it. You get, like, he even says in the episode, all he has to do is send this version of himself to the ship. And then when they get back, he's got all these new friends. Oh. It's oh, getting boy. a shit ton of friends without having to work for it at all. It's a perfect solution for him. That's how friendship works, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get friendship points. You you pretend to be someone different uh, mm-hmm. electronically, and then when you meet in real life, they won't care that you've misrepresented yourself. No. Exactly. That's, That's You're right. That is how friendship works. Yeah. 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 Because we were we are all incredibly different people online than we are in in, in real life, right? Absolutely. Hell, that's what happened when we met online, right? Yeah. We both pretended to be different people, and then things worked out great. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. Also, I don't think it's a stupid idea to have um, the two versions of Barkley played differently. Like I think. No, in the theory, hologram, that's good. Whether it be because the Ferengi reprogrammed him, or Barkley made him more likable, or they just didn't put Barkley's personality into the the, the Barkley shaped yeah. vessel, it doesn't matter. Um, I thought that that was cool to have them played differently, but I don't think Dwight Schultz is good enough to play both characters differently. Yeah. Like I don't like the way Barkley's played, and I don't like the mm. way the the hollow Barkley was played either. So it was just two poorly acted characters. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> Now, that's a lot of my problem with Barkley is the writing's not always subtle, but that could be corrected with some good acting. Mm-hmm. And this guy overplays it so bad yeah. that that any subtlety goes out the window because anxiety is not, like turning it into a cartoon thing, like a, mm-hmm. a wacky cartoon trait just completely diminishes the whole point of having a relatable character for people like Matt who go through stuff like that. Absolutely. Like, it, it, it it turns it into a joke. Mm hmm. And like, it's not funny. You don't feel represented anymore. Now you feel yeah. mocked. Like yeah. it's the exact opposite. Like thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, great. I already felt bad about myself, and now you have a character that's basically, ha ha, look at these losers. Well, guess what? Now I'm not going to any parties, and it's your fault. Yep. It's Goodbye forever. 
<laughs> you have to finish this podcast, damn it. Oh, man. Uh, th- what was your bad thing, Matt? Oh, yeah. So um, let's talk about the Ferengi and how oh. fucking terrible oh. they are. Like, fucking, okay. So, man, did I, the groan I let out when it turned out that it was just a bunch of Ferengi morons again. Trek loves dragging these guys up when they're really bored because they're just, it's so easy. They don't need any kind of motivation and they can do anything you want for no reason. Of course they figured out a portal to the Delta Quadrant when Starfleet's been working on that problem for three years. Why wouldn't they? The Ferengi are known for their technical prowess. (laughs) It's just like, it's, it, it literally feels to me at this point where the writers are just like, well, we need a bad guy, uh, d- d- Ferengi. That's, we don't have to make up a reason for them to show No, they're up. just bad. And we yeah. mentioned this a week or two ago. It might have been with the Maquis stuff last week. or It was recent where it felt like they had watched half an episode of DS9 mm-hmm. and said, okay, we get this. And again, the Ferengi feature heavily in DS9. And it feels like they watched like maybe one episode and like, yeah, we got it. We totally, uh, let's see ears and greed and rules of acquisition done there. Ferengi, the Ferengi have, um, chocolate ears Uh and a naked mother. (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. Yep. And there's, there's skeeving on seven. Oh God, I could have done without that fucking scene. Yeah. They wanted her to give them ear jobs. Yeah. (sighs) Well, they're always talking about that. That, I mean, Quark, one of our favorite characters talked about that. Yeah, but Quark had, like, a lot more going on. That's true. Like, DS9 worked its damn ass off to make the Ferengi not terrible, and it still made them terrible occasionally. Well, they gave us a couple of good Ferengi, but the society itself was always pretty terrible. Yeah. But there were some individuals that were exemplary, like like uh, Quark and Nog. And to be yeah. clear, it wasn't uh, love to hate. Yeah. It was just, this is, this is, you're writing a lazy bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like Matt said, whenever they have a hole in the story mm-hmm. that we need a bad guy, uh, the Ferengi, why not? Because profit. They don't need a motive. They just want money. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen it so many times. They did it in Rascals. They did it in, in uh, fuck, um, I don't know, like 80 episodes of DS9. Yeah. They just show up on TNG all the time and just be like, ah, there's gold over there. Let's yep. steal it. And then put it in our ears. <laughs> but, that's, but that's not gold at all. It's some kind of thing. That guy's lying because he wants the gold. Mm-hmm. A Star Trek episode by Matt Robotham. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, there was that episode in uh, uh, Next Gen where it turned out that the captain, the Frankie captain, wasn't doing it for profit. He was doing it for revenge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I like that guy. Yeah. That was uh, Damon Bach. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't love that guy, but I remember Matt quite, quite being fond of him. I like th- There was the, more... Yeah, there's more to him. I like this. Yeah, when version. you give him at least one more dimension, yeah. that's that's yeah. a start. No, but the, that character had like potential. Like if that yeah. character had been, I always said if that character had been a reoccurring villain on uh, TNG, he, well, he showed been a up lot twice. Better. Yeah, twice. Once at the beginning and once at the end. So <laughs> he's he he's almost recurring in the same way Tomalock was, which yeah. is he only showed up like three times. There you go, and once as a robot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I just, I sorry. am Tomalock. <laughs> The f- I, they they wanted to steal Seven's nanoprobes, which, yep. okay, I get. That is highly advanced technology that we've never been able... Like, you don't want to go into a Borg cube and take them, but you got yeah. this, like, fairly docile former Borg that you could steal them from. I get that, but the way this played out was just stupid. Yeah. Just, ugh, no thank you. Although I do like the idea... I had this image in my head of Seven back on Earth just getting knocked over in an alleyway. And just, hey, my nanoprobes, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Then she'd run down after them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Tackle them. Yeah, exactly. 
That guy stole her nanoprobes. You see that? I think he stole her nanoprobes. <laughs> uh, what was your good thing, Matt? Uh, yeah, the Starfleet st- satellite looked pretty damn cool. Yep. If you can't say anything nice, compliment cool space stuff. Oh, that's why I brought that up in the previous episode. I I, I thought that that was your uh, uh, thing you pointed out in the previous one. But yeah, no, in there's both actually, of these. There's a really kick-ass uh, uh, Starfleet satellite. It's got the logo on it and stuff. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like the array that they're using to contact Voyager. It's the, what is the project that they're doing to... to... I don't know, probably something stupid. Pathfinder? Pathfinder, that's it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Go. That's yeah. not a bad name. Yeah, Pathfinder. Yeah, the um, also the the building that the Pathfinder project is. Pro- no, oh, that's man, that that's cool on Earth. Too. That's Starfleet yeah. uh, headquarters. Yeah. It's just like a, a, a normal skyscraper with the Starfleet logo. Yeah, on it, I thought it looked good. It didn't yeah, it look did. like yeah. a bunch of garbage. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't look like they were trying super hard for once. It no, it didn't look like a mall. And it yeah. didn't look like that standard shot of San Francisco where you have to get the Golden Gate Bridge in the shot. Like and it then was a, a, tighter shuttle, close-up. a shuttle like going. Well, see, we got to say San Francisco and Star Trek. So yeah. that's yep. how you do that. Golden Gate Bridge and and a, and a shuttle that goes. <laughs> but uh, no, that, that did look good. And we've said this a lot, that even in really terrible episodes, you can always count on Kate Mulgrew to be a good actor mm-hmm. and for the visual effects guys to throw something yep. cool in there. That's yeah, pretty much it. Um, we haven't seen quite so many of those... Um, matte paintings with the one building in the middle well now that we have cg we don't yeah. have to do that anymore mm-hmm. they can they can just build it, models it's cheaper stuff. yeah and it also like, looks better so yeah you know yeah it's nice yeah. actually uh speaking of sort of the uh the visual effects of the show that kind of leads into my good scene yeah mm. or my good my good my good scene your the good, one scene. good scene uh-huh. i had i want an entire scene mm-hmm. <laughs> um the after putting aside the fact that uh, Troy agreeing to help Barkley after he showed up on our vacation is mm-hmm. super problematic. Let's just not talk. We we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the scene where she is uh, trying to help him figure out what his deal is mm-hmm. is it's beautifully shot. Um, this is that one where they're walking and the waves are crashing in the background. And yeah. Stuff? They they yeah. sort of the resort area. They're on an actual beach, not a beach simulation on planet hell. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. It's it's, a, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a real ass beach, mm. and it's they they've fallen so hard into house style in Star Trek at this point. And um, I will say that all of Star Trek, like all of uh, Next Gen, uh, DS Nine, Voyager, all of it, kind of had this problem where yeah. there's sort of a sameness to the look of the show. Sure. The only time where we see something shot sort of in a more different cinematic way is where there's some dumb dreaming ghost or <laughs> robot monster. No, that's, those aren't usually shot differently. That's usually the standard womp, fish-eyed womp. lens that we always bitch about. Yeah, but anytime womp, womp. it's not just sort of just the standard regular way we're used to seeing things, yeah. it's, it's when something dumb is happening. Um, mm-hmm. This this case, nothing dumb was happening. They just shot it really well. They're on location. The location was great. It was, it was subtle. We didn't need like a big sweeping shot of the beach it was just oh. sort of close to the close to the characters the sound design was really good like you heard the crashing of the waves but you could still hear the characters and it allowed them to have sort of a quiet moment of privacy in yeah. a big open space and that was really apparent the lighting was beautiful we had some different angles of the of, of the area it was just way more cinematic and way more sort of interesting and competent than i'm used Mm -hmm. to seeing not just sort of the bog standard this is how you shoot star trek no and that's my big complaint about 
all of what I call modern Star Trek, which I'm going to have to change when Discovery happens, because that'll be the most current Star Trek. But but the next gen on era, because it's all run by the same people and they all decide every show needs to look like this and it needs to sound like this and the plot needs to unfold this way. And yeah. after three, four series, including Enterprise, it just becomes like you can you can see exactly what it, what you're going to like. You know what it's going to look like. You know what it's going to sound like. There's no surprises because everything's the same as it's always is. And yeah. like they need some new blood desperately and mm-hmm. so even little things like this oh they brought a camera to the beach suddenly that feels like oh my god they're fucking orson wells now but it did, I, i'm sorry i'll just we away. brought a camera to the beach <laughs> <laughs> i was blown away i like yeah. natural light but it and... shouldn't take that like that shouldn't be that impressive you're right by Star Trek standards, it is, but it shouldn't be that impressive. We no. weren't in a dentist's office or a mall, and it would have yeah. been so easy for them to just do this sequence in a mall. Oh, like, yeah. Like, um, Troy is at a restaurant there, or she's shopping in the food court mm. or whatever, and then Barkley bothers her there. So it was it was a deliberate choice, and it was really good. I was yeah. impressed that she was at a seemingly tropical, exotic location, and they didn't just say it was Risa. Like, oh, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a second planet you can take Shirley at? Huh. I think it was supposed to be on Earth. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Risa's gotten real commercial. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Risa is probably like Vegas, where mm-hmm. at one point it was cool, and now it's for moms. Like, yeah. And bring your kids and like... It's also really cheap to go there? Probably. Money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the Federation doesn't have money, but more people than the Federation use Risa. Yeah. have seen Ferengi there. So. Um, my good thing. So, there's a thread that runs through this. Like, at the beginning, Harry's like, yeah, they sent a hologram, which means we're going to get home. And Tom says, oh, come on, Harry. You, you fall for this every time. How many times have we tried, like, found a way to get home and it doesn't work? Can you just be a little skeptical? No, no, this is real. And th- this, this pays off. This time for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. Telephone. Um, <laughs> but uh, this pays off at the end where Tom and Bellana and I love it when Tom and Bellana like, they don't have to do whole episodes about their relationship necessarily. I like when they do that, too. But when you can see them coming together as a couple and yeah, and and. You know what? This is something. This is a to answer our question from last week. This is an interest that Bellana has and shares with Tom. Fucking with Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interest we all can share in. They they really reel him in. They're really like, yeah. So we found this portal and we're talking to this guy and we think maybe. And, and, and he's like, captain, no. The captain hasn't told anyone because she's not sure yet. She doesn't want. Yeah, to get but I was on the bridge up. when this happened and it's definitely true. And then Bellana, who you kind of expect is not going to be playful at all, ch- right. chimes in and says, no, he's right. And Harry's <laughs> like, really? And they're like, no, you idiot. Well, golly, if Bellana said it was true. And to me, that was legitimately funny. And the one thing that makes Harry vaguely tolerable to me sometimes is how nobody in universe believes he deserves any dignity or respect. Except Kate, who is his mom. Yeah, but everyone else knows Mm -hmm. this is the loser. This is the guy we make fun of. And that that doesn't make it worth Harry. But sometimes it, it makes it makes it more tolerable because unlike Neelix, who everyone tolerates for some reason, everyone well, every, just kinda, everyone seems to love him. Yeah, yeah. everyone just kind of disses Harry and thinks it's funny. And I actually do, too. Mm-hmm. I like that scene. <laughs> yeah, Harry, there's a there's a there's a big cake out there for you. Why don't you just step <laughs> out into the vacuum and. Uh, oh, boy, a present for me. Yeah. Just you uh, dumb idiot. <laughs> he's such a dumb idiot. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Um, something that both of these episodes had was Neelix kept asking people, oh boy, is there anything I can do to help? 
And the characters in both the episodes were like, oh, yes, Neelix, we have a very special job for you. You need to hold this bag and stand over there quietly. <laughs> it was just Kate did it in the in the uh, the first episode when um, the because uh, the, she was trying to find the con man. Yeah. And in, in this episode, it was um, uh, Barclay's hologram was like, no, no, no. The crew morale when we get ready for this assignment is very important. So you better keep working on that, Neelix, and don't touch any of my special science stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's don't. very important that someone hold this door open for when we need this door to be opened. Now, don't touch these freshly baked cookies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you're an important man. We should mention also that the doctor's golf thing. He, oh yeah, he uh. actually wears the jaunty cap and and the checkered pants, and the whole deal. Oh yeah, and Matt, you were talking about how that's all he needed the the other week, and now yep, there yep. there it is. Bing. There we go. Uh huh. Joke launched. <laughs> yeah, it took him a week to land it, but there it is. Oh, speaking uh-huh. of uh, and speaking of jokes, there's something that Matt and I both sort of uh, came up with separately on our notes at the end of the episode where they're talking about uh, letting Barkley go on a date with mm-hmm. uh, Riker and Deanna. He's like, well, I don't want to be a third in a cell. Oh, Ooh, it bothered. I know oh, this no, is we nitpick- all said that. Yeah. I know this is a nitpicky nerd thing and I know it shouldn't bother me, but ships first off, not an expression. Secondly, Ships have three nacelles. We've, We've seen, seen lots that. of ships with three nacelles. It's fine. It doesn't make sense. But it's that Say typical... third wheel. Wheels are still around. Yeah. You can't tell me that in Star Trek, no one rides a fucking bicycle. I saw Wait. a guy ride a fucking bicycle. He was in that. He lived in that same town as that stupid Italian guy. Wait, what's a what's a wheel? I don't know what that is or a key. This isn't he, man. Wheels exist. <laughs> yeah, not great. Oh, oh! I know it shouldn't bother me as much as it did, but it put me through the fucking Whoa. roof. It doesn't bother me for the accuracy part of it. Like, uh, ships have third nacelles. That's not really a thought that entered my mind. But the, f- the just the fact that they can't just use normal expressions and they have to future stuff up. Yeah. Just the, I wouldn't want to be yeah. an Andorian third nacelle. Now, the thing, the thing is, we've consistently hated this through all of Star Trek. I think mm-hmm. that's going to go away in Enterprise, and it's going to bug us for different reasons, because they they try super hard to tie it to contemporary culture so they're going to be saying a lot of stuff that feels weird and out of place there too we're just going to feel like oh sure this sure dates this show uh, did he just say oh snap I wouldn't want, that doesn't seem I right I wouldn't want to be a 2000 era iPod <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh chocolate rain I can't believe you did that <laughs> that's not a thing uh, Amanda you got a quote uh, I do have a quote I was uh, sort of uh, thinking of the quotes as we got through, um, as we're going through the episode, I like to pick it as we, as we watch. And I was like, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. And then this beautiful gem came along. Um, the, uh, hologram Barkley does impressions of other characters, which is just, um, not using- impressive because a computer can mimic anyone's voice, but everyone right. is fascinated by this. And Data's some- been doing that shit since day one. Yeah. But it's supposed, you know, it's funny. Um, but what it is is just the, um, the actual actor recording the line and then playing it over. Yeah. Um, mm. But uh, he has uh, impression Kate say this. Imagine my disappointment when I discovered that Lieutenant Paris had eaten all the scrambled eggs. <laughs> it was pure, unadulterated gluttony, gastronomic conduct, unbecoming a Starfleet officer. He knows it's my favorite breakfast, but he ate them anyway. We have an emergency here, people. I mean, there's no more line for you. Like, there's no more Amanda. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I feel oh. like you can retire from picking quotes at this point. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. That If I had, if this was back in the AOL days, 
That would be yeah. my AOL sign-on sound. <laughs> that was so, an excellent quote choice. So we've had we've had her say egg emergency. There's coffee yeah. in that nebula, and Balana said, "Get mm-hmm. the cheese to sick bay." So is someone is someone making breakfast in my Star Trek? Yep. <laughs> Finally getting that a Star Trek omelet I always wanted. <laughs> Very slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's all for this time, uh, Amanda. Yep. You are now free of Voyager. I am free of Voyager. My chains, my chains, they've been loosened. <laughs> like, if you don't want to watch for the rest of the season, you have no reason to, to watch with me. I can, like, you don't I can have to start leave watching you to again die alone, just like I would in real life. I mean, <laughs> she's already she's already gone. <laughs> I mean, Matt and I are on this life raft full of holes already, so, mm-hmm. okay. I'm going to get on a helicopter and fly away. Oh, uh, well. I'm going to do nothing of the kind. boulder back up the fucking hill. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do nothing of the kind. I feel have like. bite our liver out. <laughs> I feel like if I'm going to talk about Star Trek sort of critically, I should have, I should watch at least most of it. Yeah, but you don't have to watch any more Voyager. You can jump back on with Enterprise in a couple of months now. Yeah, but I'll probably still watch it. I want to be able to say, hey, yeah, I saw this show and this is my problems with this show. Mm, Fair enough. There are many. Go on. You're you're free now. Get out of here. We don't love you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Goodbye, my friend. Couple of quick plugs I wanted to throw out there. Well, first of all, Amanda, why don't you tell the fine people about your photography? I will. Um, actually, there's a bunch of new interesting photos up there right now. Um, we just did Emerald City, and so I do uh, some cosplay photos mm-hmm. there. So if you go to giantblackalbatross.com or giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com, uh, the last of my um, Emerald City photos will have posted by the time uh, this episode airs. Including a bunch of us, uh, a, a group of us, me and you and uh, Bob and Caitlin and mm-hmm. Tidro, all uh, dressed up in our Star Trek outfits. And you wore a fantastic uh, uh, female Romulan commander outfit from the Enterprise incident mm-hmm. that Tidro made for you. And Bob uh, sculpted you some uh, Vulcan ears. Oh man, it looked so good, and I had so very little to do with it. No, you did your makeup, and you, you did the hair, and like you, you definitely had a part of that. I, mm. But I'll say, um, I went up to some people that I knew and was like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" And they're like, "Uh, stranger, hello." <laughs> like, yes, good cosplay. Yeah, it's the first real like serious cosplay I've done. Like, I've put on a Star Trek shirt before and like a Bajoran earring, but this was mm. the first time I sort of really went <laughs> all, all I, out. All I did was put on my Kirk shirt, and everyone else put in so much more work into their outfits. Oh, man, and Caitlin, oh, Caitlin yeah. Seven was so good. Oh, so good. good. Yeah, it was. She looks, like, she looks a bit like yeah. anyway, and uh, Bob did the uh, the Borg implants, and that looked really good, mm-hmm. and we got her hair back in sort of a French twist, and the costume, she had it altered to fit her better, and oh, it looks so good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, Tidro did sort of a cross-play uh, Spock, so there's some photos of, of me and her that turned out really well. It just mm-hmm. oh, it's just really really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and speaking of Amanda, there's something that she and I collaborated on recently that uh, I feel like people should be aware of. This is actually a radio play we did a few years ago. The people have a need to know. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, we ended up having to sort of like we made it back in the stupid era when I didn't know how to edit or record people, and that technology has improved, and uh, we've had access to uh, some some uh, uh, sort of uh, next level voice acting. Yeah, and so it's sort of re-recorded and remastered. It's the first radio play we ever wrote together called "Bury the Lead," and it's at sarcasticvoyage.com. And it's it's a fantastic like comedy noir kind of yeah, thing. That's still uh, one of the best things you guys have ever done. Uh, you were in it, Matt. So you say you guys, but you're you're. I'm in gone it also. now, though. <laughs> no, no, you're still in there. You're in there. Oh, I love you. Good in for there. me. Yeah. You uh, do your I, like droopy dog. I, I most no, it was like a Mr. Hengus. Yeah. 
Oh, sure. But I, I mostly replaced some of the stranger dangers, some people that we had started working with that ended up uh, not working with us. So now it's all people we work with. Regularly. And we mm-hmm. use some of the same people. We just re-recorded them so the sound quality is better. Yeah, exactly. But and, uh, I um, legitimately, and this is not funny, this is not a funny goof em up joke, I'm so proud of the work that we did writing and directing and the editing and actually to toot my own horn toot toot uh <laughs> my voice performance uh, of the lead character it's it oh it's I transcendent look, i don't want to look at anyone while i say this this is <laughs> this is something that i'm like actually really proud of and means a lot to me and uh, yeah and it's a thing we were so scared to work together on anything because like you don't want to ruin your marriage yeah do it this is like the closest thing we're gonna have to a kid is this character so uh <laughs> Matt, you'd come over and it's like Al's just laying on the floor and he's been beaten to death brutally. Yeah. <laughs> we had an argument about jokes and... Uh, yeah, this all this all checks out. Yeah. So yeah, check that out. It's at sarcasticvoyage.com. I mm-hmm. also put a copy of it on SoundCloud. It's all over the place, but uh, but that's that's the best place yeah. to get but, it. But like seriously, no jokes, no yelling at people, which <sighs> is out of my personal wheelhouse. Check it out. It's something that means a lot to me and I love for people to, you know, hear it yeah. and tell us it's good. Uh, and one other plug that isn't self-serving for a change, uh, <laughs> some, something Star Trek related that has nothing to do with any of us. I don't understand. Uh, these guys were our table mates at Emerald City. They were they were right next to us in the um, very prominently displayed podcast zone at Emerald City. <clears throat> um, it's called Improvised Star Trek, and they're at theimprovisedstartrek.com. They're on iTunes and all the usual places. Um it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of uh, really good improv guys um, doing uh, Star Trek, ep- like 20 minute Star Trek episodes based on titles that their listeners suggest. Mm. Like, for instance, a recent one was the starship that couldn't slow down. And, uh, <laughs> some, a listener threw that out on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and they built an episode around that. And they <laughs> improvise. One guy's the captain, one guy's the doctor and so forth. And uh, they they build these things and they do a, another show as well right the, yeah they do um hello from the magic tavern as well not all the same people but a lot of the same people right and involved. so that's like the more fantasy oriented one if you've heard of that this is this is those guys but uh these guys ca- really get it though like as far as uh star trek goes they don't rub your nose in oh remember when we did this thing or whatever but they know their trek and they know that the tropes of trek and the character types and, but it's still funny and accessible. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, it's a perfect balance. It's it's what we strive for on the show. And I can't say if we've done that or not because I can't be objective about it. But it's what we strive for that we're fanboys, but we're also not so up our own asses with our fanishness that you can't relate to it. Yeah, everything's sure. everything about Star Trek is perfect. Yeah. Al, you it were isn't. saying they did a bit, uh, a Ferengi bit that you really liked. Oh, God, yeah. Somebody somebody sent someone a gift basket of peaches, and the Ferengi characters were like, well, I guess we got to put these in our ears. <laughs> just, yep, yep, perfect. Nice work, guys. You get it. Yep. Yeah, so so check them out. Uh, definitely worth listening to. Also, uh, they have a mat, too. Yeah. Oh. Everybody's got a mat. Yeah. Yeah. Most I'm, common name of 1984, so. Yeah. I met their mat. He was a very pleasant fellow. Yeah, he, he sat next to me, and... Uh, in, in the prominently displayed uh, podcast area at Emerald City, <coughs> Podcast Zone. All right, that's all for this time. Uh, yeah, uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.